Hello, friends. Welcome back to an episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Woo More Play Coconut Love Oil, Away Luggage, and Native Body Care Products. All awesome brands. I can't wait to tell you about later. How you guys doing? I am good, but I am exhausted. Today was a long day. I recorded my other podcast, Screwed Up Stories, for three hours at a radio studio. And then, like a dumbass, I scheduled my tax appointment right afterwards. And then I have a show at the Laugh Factory after this. That might not sound like a lot, but it's a lot of being concentrated and a lot of being on. And being on can be exhausting. But it's my chosen career. And I love it. And yeah. So, you know what? I'm not going to complain. Let's reframe that. That's awesome that I got to do all that all day, minus the tax appointment, you know? Uh, But my taxi guy's pretty cool. He's a swinging dude. He's got a house in the Hollywood Hills and a house in New York. And I, he has his clients come up to his house and do the taxes. And you kind of like look around the room and you're like, this is why I'm paying so much. This is, well, this is where my money's going. This is where it's going. Look at all this Hollywood memorabilia. Oh, wow. A view of the entire city of Los Angeles. Oh, cool. A signed portrait of Robin Williams. I don't know. Fancy mid-century furniture. I don't But good for him. Because he does have to... Accounting would suck. So, all right. I'll let it go. I will let it go. Uh, guys, upcoming shows. I mean, I always have them around LA, but uh, the ones coming up out of town... I will be at Laugh Boston on March 24th. I am super excited about that. I love Boston. You can get tickets at rachelobriancomedy.com or at Laugh Boston. And then in April, Natasha Pearl Hansen and my comedy tour, Europe comedy tour, is almost fully booked. We have a few more cities we're looking at, but um, we're actually going to start in New York. April 16th and 17th, we're at the Westside Comedy Club in New York. Then we travel to Highlands, Scotland. We're performing at Tukter's Comedy Club April 19th and 20th. And then we go to London April 23rd. And then it's looking like Amsterdam and Berlin after that. But those ones are still up in the air. Uh, Honestly, if you live in those places, Amsterdam or Berlin, and you happen to know of a venue that will have us, uh, DM me on Instagram, at Rachel N. O'Brien. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L. N-O-B-R-I-E-N. So I have a guest today, and I'll introduce her soon, but um, I put out a Instagram, uh, Insta story, uh, just seeing if there was any like questions people had for me that I could answer on the podcast. So I'm going to answer a few of those right now, okay? Okay. So let me pull up, well, I have a list, but I'm actually going to pull up the messages so I don't, don't get them wrong. You know what I mean? Um, okay. Mm-mm. All right, someone asked, how do you conduct a joke for your routine? I assume they mean writing a joke. Um, maybe they mean performing it, but I'm, I'm going to go with my assumption that they mean writing it. Uh, basically, I, I take like funny or awkward things that happen in real life or moments in conversations. Like I have a new joke where I do this fan kick thing. And that came out of me. I was a guest on the It's Complicated Girls podcast. And we were talking about a certain subject. And then I started riffing. And I just started talking about, like, what if, you know, I don't want to give the joke away because I want you to come see it live. 
and it will never be as funny on the podcast but and they just started laughing and I was like you know what? that's kind of a good stand-up joke and so it's basically like if something is entertaining in conversation I'll at least make a note of it and then if I can expand on it I'll sit down and try to write more with it or just try it on stage at a smaller show so that's basically how that goes or again like if something just crazy happens in real life that usually makes it into the jokes so that's the answer to that question hope this is interesting to the people that didn't ask these questions I think it is um okay hmm uh Valentine's Day what I don't know what that is I think someone just asked me on a date that's a no I don't know you and it's past Valentine's Day um okay so okay so someone this is a good one someone said they're coming to LA this summer and they wanted to know my favorite restaurants and best place to stay in a medium price range okay a really good place to stay in West Hollywood and it normally isn't that expensive my mom will stay there a lot when she visits and sometimes it can be like in the like low $200 range and it's one of the most iconic hotels in LA is Sunset Marquee it's like the rock and roll hotel here it's where all the rock stars stay usually when they come to visit there's there's just regular hotel rooms and then there's these private bungalows and they also have like a recording studio and the that's not like I doubt it's a basement I've, I went down there once it's like a oh whatever it's just like the lower I guess it's a basement whatever and it's just a cool cool vibe and I think bar 1200 if I'm not correct that's on their property it may still be owned by Randy Gerber which is uh, Cindy Crawford's husband cool vibe so I would recommend that and I and I really feel like it's normally fairly reasonable but I don't know maybe not in the summertime and then favorite restaurants. One of my favorite things to do and a good way to eat cheap in LA is to go to, because I love sushi, sushi happy hours. So you can go to the fancy restaurants like Roku or Katana or Robata Ginya is not super fancy, but you can go to those places. But if you go during their happy hour, you're getting like at Katana, you're getting like three Robata skewers for like $7. You're getting spicy tuna crispy rice, eight bucks, easy. Really good. That's one of my tips. Um... Other cool places are uh, Petite Taqueria for Mexican food on La Cienega. Uh, I also like, uh, shoot, what's that place called? It's like right across the street from there. Oh, it's a Melrose place. Balls. It's a big white place. I can't remember. Uh, Third Street has a ton of good restaurants like COD. And then they have the Little Door, which is really kind of cute and romantic French place. Um, Mercado is good for Mexican. I know some people find the Grove cheesy, but me and my friends do not. We love the Italian place at the Grove, La Piazza. And they also, uh, the Grove also has a really good sushi place called Blue Ribbon Sushi. And then total random note is Pacific Palisades just built uh, something similar to the Grove. And the Palisades is near Malibu, so it's a bit of a drive. But it's so cute. It's the some, yeah, same company that owns the Grove. But it's like more like a little tiny little city I don't know super cute so that's that and then same person asked one more question what was it oh you cook a lot at home what's one of your favorite go-to recipes um I'm obsessed with my air fryer right now and since I'm trying to do keto I make a lot of like random cheesy vegetable things in there and so I make stuffed mushrooms and stuffed zucchini in there which is super simple you just take the insides of the mushrooms and the zucchini out saute them up with some green onions. Then I throw a little pesto in there for flavor, some spinach for fun, stuff them back into the vegetables, 
Then I sprinkle it with Parmesan cheese and I put a little prosciutto on top, throw it in the air fryer. You can also just throw it in the oven. Delicious. Um, I also make a lot of like slow cooked meat in crock pots. I literally will just like put a hunk of pork in a crock pot. And uh, good thing I'm not doing, I can't talk. Never mind. I'm actually not, I'm not going to say that joke, but um, I will withhold that because I am classy. Um, anyways, I will uh, just put like pork in a crock pot, throw some seasoning on there, let it cook all day. Um, and there's more intricate recipes, but I'm not going to give you a full. Maybe one day I'll have a cooking show. I'd love to have like a comedy cooking slash travel show. I'm copywriting this now, not that it's that unique. But like, let's say when I go to Europe, right? Let's say when I'm in London, I do a comedy show. Then before or afterwards or whatever, a different day. I get to go cook with a celebrity chef or any chef in a famous restaurant there. And we I learn more things about cooking and we chat and we drink. And maybe I invite that chef to open for me at my show. You know, we do a little swap of sorts. That's my idea. Don't steal it. I am copywriting it now. I will find you if you do. Um, okay. <laughs> Continuing on. Um uh, okay, so the person said, I like, obviously, I'm a grandma and I like to go to bed early. They said, how do you handle girls trips when everyone wants to stay out late and go out? Um, you know, I have established myself for years as someone who likes to go to bed early, so no one argues with it anymore. There was a long time where I would just Irish goodbye, and then um, Kristen and uh, Stassi got real mad at me once when I did that in Mexico. With good reason, I understand. But I wasn't drunk, and I didn't want to get drunk, so I wanted to leave before that happened, and I was just tired. I didn't want to be tired in a club in Mexico. And I tried to tell them that I was ready to leave, but they, no one was having it, so I just Irish goodbye. But I don't have to do that anymore because it's now everyone just knows. Rachel's a grandma. She wants to go to bed early. No one's going to argue with it. I just, I held my ground. I was vocal about it. So that's how I do that. I want to try to be more fun though. Especially now that I'm single again. I should really try to go out and do more things, you know. But, I mean, I do it in comedy clubs at night. That, that's, I'm never going to meet anyone at a comedy club. I'm, I cannot date a comedian. That's 100% F no. Um, and it's not like, you know what's funny about male and female comedians? Like male comedians after shows, they'll have like... They have, like, groupies, like, girls, like, are super into male comedians, even if they're not attractive. It's odd. Girl comedians, we don't really have, like, um, like a harem of men waiting for us afterwards. It's just kind of not the same thing. I don't think that we are in as high of demand. But maybe that's just me. Um, okay, someone asked, what are my best dating app tips, and how do I take the conversation from small talk to going out on a date? Okay. A really good tip, I think, for your dating profile is – have five trusted friends look at your profile and see if you're evaluating your photos correctly. You know, because, you know, sometimes like you'll think this photo is really good of you and then someone will be like, that doesn't really look like you. Or like you're actually a lot thinner than that in person. Like maybe take that one down because it's a misrepresentation of you or something like that. I think it's helpful to get some feedback on it. Maybe even from a male friend. I don't know. Um, so that's that's a good tip. And then I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I don't put a lot in like a bio section on a dating app. I just, I just say what I do for a living basically, which I think actually just says a lot about me as a person. It's like, if that's my job, it's like, okay, she travels a lot. She might be 
a little odd. She might need me need to be like the center of attention or something, which isn't actually necessarily true. But um, I don't put a lot in the bio thing, and I don't know if I should. But I, what am I gonna say in there? I'd rather just I'd rather kind of just leave it open ended, and then we when we meet up, we'll talk in person. I'll I'll give you my best pitch on myself then. But I know what um, uh, this girl's talking about where a lot of times it's like you're just making small talk on the app and then it doesn't translate into meeting in person. I honestly don't have a fantastic tip for that because I get kind of frustrated or bored easily and I just won't respond to someone after a while if it's just too much small talk. Because I'm like, what are we, I, don't, I don't really care how you're enjoying the, the rain in L.A. right now. Like we can complain about it in person, but if that's the extent of our conversation anyways, I'm kind of all set on that. Um so I, I don't know, but I don't really stress about it that much because I'm like, it is a dating app. Like th- these are perfect strangers. So if we never end up meeting up, no big deal. And I'd like to meet someone in the wild anyways. But I guess my, yeah, one of my main tips is just have someone else look over your profile for you. Um, like Kristen and Stassi and Katie made me take down. I had on my Raya um, in my bio for like a, f- a few weeks because I was just being jaded like last summer. I think it said something like, um, uh, something like, not expecting anything out of this, but what the hell surprised me, maybe. It was it kind of very, it was just kind of negative. And they were like, that doesn't, no, no one's going to want to go out with you if you say that. So I took it down. And now I just don't have anything. Uh, okay. Next one. How long have you been doing the keto diet? How do you feel about keto? Um, I've been doing it for over a month, uh, like a month and a half. I have cheated probably five times during that time. It's kind of hard when you are going on dates and you don't want to be like, I don't eat carbs. Like, I feel like such a douche. And also if like someone's buying me like a really good meal, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to limit the, the, uh, the food, you know? So I have cheated. I also, I, I like it. I have energy on it, but I don't think I'm doing it right. Cause I haven't lost any weight. It's possible I've gained weight. But the other thing is, I think I was kind of eating keto already. So now because like my diet's like just slightly more re- restricted in terms of things I can eat. I'm just eating more of the things I can eat. Like I'll eat like six string cheese in a day and a bag of pork rinds. And I've said pork rinds so much on this podcast. And, you know, extra cheese and prosciutto on things. And I think I'm really going hard with it. I've even melt. I don't want to. Okay, I'll say it. <laughs> when I have a sweet tooth on it. So, you know, Trader Joe's sells um, almond meal, which is like, or like almond flour, so just ground up almonds, which do have some carbs in them. So that's also probably not good. But I don't, I only put like a teeny scoop in there. So I'll melt butter. Like a disgusting, God, I'm disgusting. I'll melt butter. You know, kind of get the little brown butter action. I'll put a pack of stevia in there, sweeten up the butter. It's like I'm making a little cookie, you know, some cinnamon little scoop of the almond flour and sometimes I just eat it like that and then sometimes I will like put it in like a microwave safe dish thingy and pop it in my air fryer and make like kind of a cookie cake thing oh it's delicious and now that I'm hearing myself say this I know I haven't lost weight on this diet so there's the answer to that I hope it's working for everyone else that's not a disgusting pig um okay next one there's only a few more guys hopefully you're not getting bored Tell me if you are. Oh, wait, you can't respond. That's why, you know, that's why I love this medium. I talk at you. But no, I'm technically talking with you right now. Um, okay, whenever you're feeling sad slash depressed and just overall down about life, what's one thing that will make you feel somewhat better? It's very sweet. Um, 
Oh, and then I said something nice, but I'm not going to repeat the compliment. Um, one thing that makes me feel better when I'm depressed. Um, honestly, that I know that it will pass and that in a world of infinite possibilities, one day does not have to be exactly the same as the next. One hour doesn't have to be exactly the same as the next. We, we have the power to change our life really in a matter of seconds you can walk out of your house and just make one decision slightly different and your life could change you could meet someone new so I think that always makes you feel better knowing like this is just temporary and I can change it really at any time I know that sometimes you can't pull out of like your really dark emotions but I just when I'm like that I just try and it usually works and sometimes you think about things that you're grateful for which is really helpful I try not to compare myself to other people that that I feel like negates if you are sad you're sad you can't help it um although there's there are some like just incredible stories where you're just like I have no reason to feel bad right now like this person has been through so much and they're still smiling you know so yeah I think just knowing it will pass and you give the power to change your life in seconds makes me feel a lot better um all right someone asked me how old was I when I got into comedy uh early 20s and how did I make the jump um I well I went to grad school for screenwriting first and I wanted to kind of test out jokes that I was writing in scripts and and I also just when I moved to LA I had just moved here to be an actress but I but I knew I wanted to be in comedy I just didn't really know like I didn't really understand like stand-up's a job you know and and so when I was here just to be an actress, I learned very quickly. I hated waiting for people to just tell me yes, you know, because it's just a lot of waiting around in the acting world. And so I was like, well, what else can I do? And so then I went to grad school for screenwriting. And then I was just, I just got the bug and I wanted to get on stage. And I took a class actually too. It's kind of how my brain works. Uh, and uh, so at the end of like the three-month class, I had like a five-minute set that um, – I performed at the Hollywood Improv, actually. It was like a class showcase thing, and family and friends came. and um, So it was like a really supportive time to try stand-up for the first time. Plus, I had a fairly well-written set because I did it in a class. But from the moment I got on that stage, I never wanted to get off. So I guess I just made the jump because I had to because it was a part of me at that point. And, uh, yeah, and I love it. So, yeah, well, I'm going to end the questions there. And uh, I'll do another one of these if you guys like it. DM me and tell me if you like it. And tag me in your Insta story when you're listening to the podcast. I will repost it. I love seeing when you guys are listening to it, you know, what you think. And uh, please, as always, um, uh, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Please rate it five stars and give it a good review. just helps to keep it going. And tell your friends. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. Love you guys. Uh, okay, so for my guest. Uh, my guest today, she actually, when I first met her... She was the assistant to my publicist, and then she left the company, and then she became my uh, publicist sort of for a while, and she's just an awesome go-getter. She started her own company. She's only like 27, and she's just killing it. She's an inspiration. She grew up in New York. Her grandfather was this super famous journalist that the, the HBO just did a documentary on, and she just gives, like, she gives really good tips about how to just go for it, and you know, when you're nervous to email someone and follow up, like tips on how to do that and, and 
how to just network and just, you know, give yourself a kick-ass little life. Anyways, so without further ado, my guest, Kira Breslin. Kira Breslin, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I was so flattered. Really? Yes. I'm so flattered you wanted to do it. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I'm more of the behind the scenes kind of gal, so this is always so thrilling to step behind the curtain. True, but I feel like PR people are like, they're behind the scenes, but I feel like you guys always have so much personality that... Like, when I thought about having you on the podcast before, I was like, she's not going to be someone that's nervous or awkward. Like, it's like, Kira knows her shit. She's PR. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah, you want to know what? Someone I actually met kind of recently um, who is an actor was talking to me, and they were just kind of like, yeah, you know, I feel like with PR, it just kind of takes, like, a good person or a cool person to just, like, mm -hmm. know. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, anyone special. They just have to just, like, understand. Yeah. Um, understand like what like their client just understand like it like life and okay. just like how things work together and, I see and what you're saying. you know stuff like that so um, I took that as a compliment no that yeah <laughs> that, that is a good compliment because you're also pretty young too um, how long have we known each other now like a while uh, probably Three, since four? I've moved to LA because when I was working for my old boss yeah. Okay. So I f actually just totally forgot about this. So crazy backstory. So Kira used to work at Jonas PR and they used to um, represent me. They were my publicist. But I also at the time, I've since stopped doing it, but I was managing apartment buildings for a long time for extra money or for free rent or whatever. And I happened to be managing this building and uh, we had a vacancy and I got an email uh, from Kira and I was like this has to be the same Kira and so you ended up moving into one of the apartment buildings I managed too same one as Stassi yeah no that was really really funny because when I was like attacking all of the websites to find an apartment um, and you were one of the contacts and it said Rachel A-E-L O'Brien and I was like huh like I've literally never met anyone that spells Rachel A-E-L like this has to be the same chick but I and I had never told you that I managed buildings no no yeah. no no and then I think it just so happened because like Stassi was doing a lot of filming and mm -hmm. you were able to okay it as the manager mm -hmm. um and my friends you know I didn't watch Vanderpump at the time but all my friends were obsessed and they were like bugging out they were like oh my god like you're moving upstairs and like you know Rachel and I was like yeah you're like yeah and she's the manager of the building it's not as glamorous <laughs> as you would think you're like she essentially works for me <laughs> no that no that's fine I totally forgot about that actually yeah. no it's so weird um okay so yeah so I've known you for years now yeah. I feel like, like yeah so quite a while mm -hmm. so so you were working in PR and for my listeners that don't know, what exactly does a publicist do? Like, I don't even fully know. Is the goal to get your clients press or events or damage control or? Um, I think it depends on the client and the situation. Um, traditionally speaking, PR is getting press for your client mm -hmm. and getting awareness for, you know, whatever they're trying to promote or, you know, in some clients' cases, yes, damage control. They might mm -hmm. come to you with a certain issue that they're trying to suppress or, mm -hmm. you know, tell their a redemption story about. Um, but, 
you know, I never even really understood like what a publicist was, but mm-hmm. I was doing advertising sales um, at the Discovery Channel after I graduated college and like was just not doing a good job. It just like wasn't the right fit. My manager was like, you know, you should try PR. Your manager at the Discovery Channel. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, okay, cool. Literally not really sure what it was, but, um, you know, I used my network of people um, in New York where I was living at the time to help me find a position. And I was working at Sunshine Sachs, which is a very renowned public relations firm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they have um, multiple departments where they represent, you know, all different types of talent. And I basically, you know, was watching them email back and forth and set up cool events and, um, you know, email people at magazines and just so much action. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And like, I can't believe people get paid to do this. This is like what I would do like for fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just kind of worked. But then, you know, I knew that I had to be present in LA if I really wanted to continue working in the entertainment industry, which Uh is what I've always been most passionate about. Um, so that's what brought me to LA. Um, so is it just not as big in New York, the entertainment industry? Cause there still is a huge hub there of it. No, there is. And all the writers are there for the most part. The media is all there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when clients go to New York, it's really good to do a press tour. I mean, there's just as many outlets and things there, but I mean, you live in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. you know, like people just live here a for the weather but it's the convenience all the studios are here if you're Mm -hmm. a working actor that you know needs to be and you know most of the casting directors are here it's just um, much more convenient yeah in a world where things can be so hard your sex life shouldn't be well some parts of it should be but i'm talking about making it easier not so difficult i want my listeners to have better sex and that's why i want to talk to you guys about woo moreplay coconut love oil It just makes for a better, smoother ride. And let's just talk about having better sex. Sit your partner down. Talk about the lube. They're going to thank you for it. And if you have to pour them a glass of wine, do it. Woo Moreplay Coconut Love Oil is a game changer. The coconut oil kills germs, increases sex drive, and is chemical-free. And it has natural stevia, so it fights germs, is full of antioxidants, and it tastes like birthday cake. Yes, it really does. And the vanilla essence of it increases sexual arousal, enhances moods, and soothes inflammation. So it's time to just up our sex game, guys. And I have an offer for my listeners. If you guys go to woomoreplay.com, that's W-O-O-M-O-R-E-P-L-A-Y.com, and use discount code B here, you'll get 10% off. It's a game changer in the bedroom, guys. Just go to woomoreplay.com and use discount code B here for 10% off. Let's up our sex game. So then you moved over to PR. You started working at Jonas. Yes. That was your first job. And and you loved it right away. You loved, like, pitching people, eat, like, going hard at it. Yeah. I had so many ideas for different people, and I just genuinely wanted to help. Mm-hmm. Um and it was really nice at the time because my man, uh, my boss was very hands off. So mm-hmm. she was very trusting of me to do my own thing and and cover clients for her. And um, even she even encouraged me to find my own clients, which was really exciting. So I was so happy and um, I started reaching out and um finding different managers that were maybe from smaller management firms and reaching out to them and getting to know one another and hoping that they would give me some clients that we could all blossom together. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And that's just what I started doing. And, you know, like before I knew it, I was signing people and um, just it was very difficult at my old company because my boss didn't fully have the resources as maybe a larger firm might have. Mm-hmm. Um, so it taught me to be very scrappy mm-hmm. in terms of you finding are information. And I, I like that about you. Yeah. Yeah. You're a hustler. Yeah. It's, it's it, you know, and just finding different ways to get what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so that what, was, what are some tips on that? Like, Let's say some of my listeners like want to get into PR or even they just want to have the balls to like email, you know, someone to like to get a new client or let's say they are in entertainment and they need they want to get a podcast guest, for example, or whatever you would want. What are some of your tips for even finding the information, finding the email? Because that stuff can be hard to find. And then also, like, how did you go about what would you say? Um. Well, it depends. So, you know, if you're looking to um, for a specific writer Mm -hmm. and you know that you want it to be someone at Vogue who maybe covers jewelry, Mm -hmm. um, what I would recommend is going to Mm Vogue.com, looking at all the people who have covered jewelry recently, see the most recent dates, Mm -hmm. because, you know, obviously you can Google and and LinkedIn is actually a really, really good tool, but they won't tell you specifically what they cover. It Uh might give you their information, um, but... You know, more often than not, when you click on a reporter's name from a story online, uh-huh. it'll link you to their Twitter, which usually has either their personal website um, or um, their Twitter, which has information that has, um, you know, their business address, too. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different ways to find contact information and from a writer's standpoint you know they want to be pitched mm-hmm. but they don't want to be pitched with like some bullshit annoying you know you want to give them everything they would possibly need in one email mm-hmm. with all the information with a little bit of edge mm-hmm. you know their instagram recent press links good photos um so, so you you you're pitching like when you're emailing them you're you're commenting on like their recent stuff like oh i looked at your instagram and i loved it or what do you mean by that no, I'm just saying when I pitch a oh, reporter, when you're a client. To, for yeah, them. Okay, I want to give it. them all the information packaged in mm-hmm. a presentable way so that they are not scrambling and being like, you know, think about how many emails a day these people get. Oh, like yeah. they're probably so jaded by all of this shit. Mm-hmm. And and one of my really close friends is actually um, a reporter at Us Weekly, and mm-hmm. like she's just like the most overworked individual. Oh yeah. Um, and also from a media standpoint, they've been downsizing tremendously too and they're constantly getting bought out and, and by bigger holding companies and then they're all kind of working for three different magazines mm-hmm. at once. I mean, that's what it's like. Sometimes I see people's names like four different times and then like they're writing for like Town & Country, L, like mm-hmm. all of the different Hearst publications. Um, so yeah, be nice to the journalists. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's such a freelance job too. It's got to be hard. Yeah. And so, okay. So you would just find like creative ways to reach out and you were good at finding information too. on these Yeah. People. And I was also lucky that I had some clients that were actually doing somewhat relevant things. Yeah. Like Rachel O'Brien. I know, obviously. Yeah. Rachel <laughs> O'Brien. People love Vanderpump. You just say, oh, and she's, you know, occasionally in she's the background. She's Vander adjacent. Van. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually saw you. I'm a season behind because I did just start watching, uh-huh. but I forget it was someone's birthday and I was watching with uh, my new boyfriend, Ooh. and um, 
and I was like, oh my God, we might see Rachel O'Brien like on one of these episodes. Like I can't wait. And then it was like someone's birthday. Maybe it was like oh, Lala's Jax's birthday. Oh, one. Was it that one? No, you guys were like outside and you were wearing a red Bowie jacket. Oh, at, that was Lala's like performance or yeah. something. Yeah, oh, yeah. Lala's performance, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you were just like sitting there and, every, and people were like talking over you. I was literally And I just dying. like chill normally. I'm literally like, just chilling. Yeah. yeah. I don't participate much. I was like, that's you know, my girl. I'm a strong participator in the Vanderpump. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like, I mean, I appreciate everything that, like, has happened for me maybe because of that. But eventually I'd like to get away from it because I'm not on the show. Of course. You know? Like, of I'm course. Not on it. I'm of a course. comedian. That's what I do. I'm not. But it's, I guess, I guess it helps. So I can't, like, hate on it. Yeah, no. As as an adjacent, it's a, it's been a great stepping stone. Yeah. You know, people, it's a great just conversation starter, mm-hmm. you know. And what's really funny, I was actually saying this to my friend uh, actually earlier today. I was like, you know, I never really watched Bravo. I was mm-hmm. so, like, I don't know, just not, not my thing. Yeah. I gave it a chance this year when I moved to L.A. and, like, really loved L.A. Um, and... When I was watching, you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Vanderpump, and like fell in love, and then I finally, for the first time ever, watched Watch What Happens Live like mm-hmm. the other night, and I, and it was fucking funny. I was yeah, like, that's Holy a fun shit. show. It's a very fun. It was like format. Sheena and like Wolf Blitzer, and mm-hmm. they were like, Sheena, do you know anything that's happened like this week? on Wolf's show and like it was I was like wait this is amazing and they had like other people like Jennifer Lawrence and like huge fans mm-hmm. of the show oh yeah they have, on- they have big people on that show and it's it's a really funny format too he's got like the drinking game stuff and he asks people really it's, personal yeah. questions like, it was awesome no Bravo is a, is a great network and like yeah they're doing they're doing cool stuff so going back it's a great conversation starter for you if anyone's a super fan mm-hmm. um and they're like, you know. I've seen that girl in the background. Yeah. Actually, I was on a um, a date on Saturday, and he got up to go to the bathroom, and this girl was like her, with with her parents on uh, at dinner, and she like leaned over and she's like, "Hey, she's like, I know you from Vanderpump. Are you still doing comedy?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. comedy is really the only thing I do. <laughs> the Vanderpump thing's not much of it. Yeah. So it is. It is a good conversation starter, and I I recognize that. Um, so. But what you did is really cool. So you, you're pretty young. You're what, 27? 27. 27. And you worked, you know, for a company, but you started getting your own clients and then you got brave enough to branch out and start your own company. And you literally became pretty successful very quickly. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, tell my listeners about that and like how you got the balls to do that and how you set it all up and yeah um it basically got to the point where um at my former company I was working with this one client who um for everyone listening he's actually going to be baby Simba and the Lion King that's coming out this summer with Beyonce and Childish Gambino aka Donald Glover and Seth Rogen and um, he's 11 years old and is, like, the cutest thing ever. He's so cute. Uh, his name is J.D. McCrary. He's signed with Hollywood Records. You might have seen him dancing last night um, courtside at the All-Star Game. I mean, this kid is, like, literally everywhere. He's, like, a baby. Chris Brown, Justin Bieber, Michael Jackson. Um, 
but anyway, so I met him a couple of years ago, um, and he had just been on Steve Harvey's Little Big Shots, and they were looking for PR to help promote his singing, and they didn't have an agent, but, you know, they had a manager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he liked sneakers and he liked fashion. And, um, he, you know, I'm a huge advocate of hip hop and R&B. And I've always been super passionate about, you know, that entire industry. And we just understood each other. I was literally in the right place at the right time. I met so his entire you, family. Did you just discover him off of, off of watching him on the Steve Harvey show? No, it was a referral through a manager that I had I had met okay referred me to a different manager uh within their company and then you know she was like hi you know this is JD I would love for you to talk to him and I met them and I was like oh my god and we knew he was baby Simba and the Lion King but we weren't allowed to talk about it yet because Beyonce hadn't finalized her deal Mm -hmm. so I was like the world yes yes and I was like wow this kid is the future like I don't care if they can't pay me like I'm gonna help this kid Mm -hmm. and do you feel like that happens a lot where you you do things that you're passionate about without pay or without the proper pay early on in your career have you seen a lot of people do that you know I think yes because there's that whole thing about paying your dues especially in Hollywood Mm -hmm. um but also there are so many people that are breaking out and doing their own thing um creatively and you know sometimes Sometimes if you just have a feeling Mm -hmm. that, like, this is what you're supposed to be doing, like, you should just ride with it. I literally saw my future, like, flash before my eyes. Really? Yeah. So do you have good intuition like that where you're like, this is the right thing? I guess. Yeah. It it was. And, you know, I knew what to do. I was like, this kid is so cute. The world Mm -hmm. is ready for when's the last time we had another a little kid really good singer dancer you know we haven't had that in a long time since Bieber really exactly we're ready for another one so I was like we're gonna groom him to be that kid Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what I did and you know I you know I put him on Ellen I had him had complex interview him essence you know getting him in the right markets Mm -hmm. and then that was enough to help him sign an agent Mm -hmm. um and then he ultimately signed a record deal making him the youngest male solo artist that's ever been signed are you serious Mm -hmm. ever Mm -hmm. he was 10 when he signed his record oh my god well yeah i guess i'm thinking of like michael jackson but he was a group he was with his brother yeah Mm -hmm. okay male solo artist yeah wow that's insane congratulations like that's you you were a big part of that jd yeah that's really cool do you know what else is cool away luggage Make the airport your fashion runway with the chicest, sleekest luggage there is. Away luggage is all I carry when I travel. I am obsessed with it. I feel so cool. It matches. It's trendy and super lightweight. So Away uses high quality materials while offering a much lower price point compared to other brands by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. You can choose from nine colors and four sizes. The carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, or the large. And like I said, super lightweight. And there's a 360 degree spinner wheels that are guaranteed for a smoother ride you zip in and around the airport super lightweight like i said you put it over your head and the the compartment you don't need to ask a dude to help you do it you can do it yourself and this is the coolest part both sizes of the carry-on are able to charge all cell phones tablets e-readers and anything that's powered by a usb cord and a single charge of the away carry-on will charge your iphone five times sometimes i never even plug my phone into a wall when i'm traveling i just pop it in my away luggage charger 
and I'm on my way. They also have a 100-day trial, so you can live with it, travel with it, vibe with it, Instagram it. And if at any point you decide it's not for you, you, you can return it for a full refund, no questions asked. But you won't want to return it because it's the best. Seriously, I am not just saying this. Everyone I know carries away luggage. My mom carries it now, too. It's amazing. And if you're in town, be sure to visit their away retail store in New York City. And I think we have one in L.A. And I have an offer for my listeners. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash be here and use promo code be here during checkout. That's for $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash be here and use promo code be here during checkout. You will not regret it. Best luggage you'll ever have. Wow, that's insane. So do you feel like protective over him at all, though, where it's like kids, like young kids in entertainment and like child stars with... Yeah, it but usually he's a, like a rocky road for them. He's a really good kid and he comes from a really good family mm-hmm. and, you know, everyone is bound to do what they do as, you know, we're just going to have to we're just going to have to see what happens, but I think it really comes down to the family and I think his family, you know, they have fun, but they also know what's good and what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And he's just a good kid. You know, that's inherent. Mm-hmm. So I don't really think that'll change. He has a, another a brother who's also very close in age. Mm-hmm. Just good kids. Yeah, that's good. So I want to talk about a little bit about like your family's background in entertainment because you have a very famous grandfather. Yes. Who... They're uh, an HBO documentary just came out about. Yeah. And we'll go back to your career, too. But it just reminded me to like kind of backtrack how maybe you even got this ambition. And I mean, it's clearly in the genes for you. Yeah. So, yeah. Explain who your who your grandpa is. Uh, so. So my grandpa, um, you know, is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Um, his name is Jimmy Breslin. There is a documentary that came out on HBO at the end of January called Deadline Artists. Um, basically he was one of the last journalists in, you know, the 1960s, 70s that really wrote, you know, this is a time before we had cell phones and computers and all of that stuff to, um, read the news and everyone read the newspapers and he was the biggest writer for the New York Daily News and, um, he was a celebrity. I mean, everyone read Jimmy Breslin's columns mm-hmm. just for, you know, the way he wrote, his style, you know, the manner in which he wrote, the angle of the story that he got. And he also wrote you for The Underdog. You just got like a very New York accent there. Did I? Talking. Yeah, oh I love it. <laughs> okay, so he also wrote for The Underdog. Yeah, he wrote for The Underdog. I think when they gave him the Pulitzer, it was like he was the champion of the ordinary citizen. So that. he was one of the early advocates, you know, for Black Lives Matter um, and, you know, for women's rights. Mm-hmm. And um, but, you know, what he became especially famous for, for people that weren't from New York, was the Son of Sam murders, which was a serial killer oh, in shit. the 1970s. I didn't know he was involved in this. Tell me about that. Yeah. And um, Spike Lee later like, directed a movie. Killers, yes. Yes. And Spike Lee later directed a movie uh, called The Summer of Sam. Uh-huh. And my grandpa bookends the movie. Um, it's a scripted movie yeah uh-huh. and he's also in the documentary oh that's um, insane he books he bookends it like it's like real clips from him in the because basically what happened is son of sam was so obsessed with being famous that my mm-hmm. grandpa was the highest read journalist at the time um and he would he wrote him a letter to the new york daily news and then and and in order son of to sam wrote it to your mm-hmm. grandpa wow and in order to 
great and lure him back in. The Daily News urged my grandpa to respond. What? Yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. So he bookends the movie and, and like, is he like, he's like reading the letters or what? No, he's just like, hi, like, this is Jamie Breslin. Like, Got it. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. And, um, you know, I've always been interested in writing and, and the media. I mean, that was just normal to me. Mm-hmm. And being around reporters and the news. And so did you grow up really close with him? Um, close with him and, um, you know, the best part about him was that he couldn't drive. So my dad, who was the oldest of his six kids, Mm -hmm. his job was to drive him around because he was the oldest one. So Mm -hmm. when he was old enough to get a license, he was my grandpa's like personal guy. So my dad ended up being like first witness to all of a lot of these crazy stories and just I just grew up hearing like you know insane stories, and my grandpa loved gangsters and John Gotti. I he mean, was kind of involved with gangsters a little bit, right? He like, just that's what liked I read. them. He yeah. just thought they were funny, and he yeah. was like, "Normal people are boring." Mm-hmm. You, you, the documentary is really, really good, and okay. I, I just think you'd like it a lot. Yeah, um, I definitely would. And it explains like all of this stuff. And then he became like. I mean, he was basically like a celebrity journalist. Didn't he appear like in movies and stuff? Or am I getting this wrong? Was he like on SNL or something? He w- he did host SNL. He hosted SNL. Yeah. That's insane. He hosted SNL in like the 80s. Um, and, you know, did like Weekend Update with Dennis Miller and stuff. Um, and then he also, I think for a short period of time, like had his own talk show. Um, but, you know, he was a writer. That's what mm-hmm. he did. And that's what he was good at. And, um, you know, he ended up writing novels that were turned into movies. Actually, one of his novels, The Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight, was turned into a movie that was the first role that Robert De Niro ever acted in. And so he's been a friend of the family for a really long time. Um, Just a lot of history. And, you know, he was connected um, with the real mobsters that inspired Goodfellas. So he oh, was shit. very close for Marty Scorsese and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he said it right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I never know when I say it. People say Martin Scorsese and people say Marty Scorsese. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's either way. Like Scorsese. Like, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. This is. Listen, we're not fancy with pronunciation. Any, here. Anywho. Yeah. So he was the character. Um. That's yeah, but I can see how you got the entertainment bug. I'm surprised you didn't realize it earlier on. You know, like you went to advertising, but I'm surprised you didn't realize early on that you were like, "No, I got to be in entertainment." Entertainment. I did, but my parents were never like, "Oh yeah, you can be like an agent. Like that's like an actual job. Like mm-hmm. you should go to L.A." Like they were, they were just kind of like, "Yeah, do what you want." Like yeah. So it was like up to me, and I didn't figure this out until. Till you got in it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I find that a lot where people don't know it's a thing, especially if they didn't grow up near LA um, or in LA. It's like you don't know that these things in entertainment, like being an actor or a comedian or an agent or a producer or a director, you you almost like mysticize it. So you don't think like, oh, that's a job I could do until you're here and you realize actually everything really is a job. Like, Literally. It's crazy. Like, an actor on set goes to work every day and after a while I think everything really feels like a job like stand up to me is awesome it's my dream I love it 
but it's it's a job. It involves me promoting the shows. It involves me, you know, going on morning news shows when I get into the town to, to promote it, then performing and then selling merch after. Like, you just don't realize that it's A, accessible and B, a job. You just think it's like something magical that happens in L.A. I think I first realized, I mean, growing up in New York City, none of my friends' parents were agents. I think, you know, actually, ironically enough, Harvey Weinstein's daughters went to my school. um, Oh, wow. And this is when he was, you know, had Miramax. Mm -hmm. And he would do all the early screenings of the big movies. So, like, Chicago and Finding Neverland. I remember Mm -hmm. my parents all got to see it because, you know, our kids all went to the same school. He was the only one that I heard directly about Hollywood, but no, none of my friends' parents were agents. They were all doctors, stockbrokers. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know. Yeah. Um. So you're very right about the whole living close to LA. Mm-hmm. But when I saw Entourage, I think I was in like the sixth grade mm-hmm. for the first time. Whenever I saw it, that's when I was like, "Holy shit!" Like this. And I think a lot of people felt that yeah. way. They mm-hmm. were like, "This, I want this life. This Whatever so this fun. is, yeah. I want that." Did that sort of inspire you to like get into it or? I mean, yeah, you know, it was literally everyone wanted to be Ari Gold type. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the most part, he Mm -hmm. was the man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wouldn't say like a ton of girls necessarily wanted to be, but I think you're very ballsy. I think you're, you're, you're definitely meant to be in the position that you are in entertainment. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Where did you get like the confidence and the balls to start your own thing and and be as assertive as you are even in your and your company's called 114 mm-hmm. Entertainment um for my birthday January 14th. Mm-hmm. Oh, happy birthday recently. Thank Sorry, you. I didn't know that. Thank you. No, it's so fine. Um I'm very lucky my family's extremely supportive. Mm-hmm. Um but I also just very strongly believed that JD was going to help me build. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Um, people were very pleased with the work that I was doing on him and just my name started getting out there. Mm-hmm. And word of mouth is the number one thing, people. I have not done like any advertising, mm-hmm. you know, it, if a product is good, it's good. So, you know, just work hard. And I think that, you know, things will just fall into place, you know, while you're working and just doing what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, after, you know, now I have, you know, a bunch of different clients that I'm working with, but it was all referral based. Mm-hmm. And that's what's the most exciting part. And it's been a year and a few months. And, you know, now I'm like sitting back and like actually planning like, OK, last year was kind of like my trial experimental mm-hmm. year you know, it turned out great. Let's see what happens this year. Let's see if I can add new layers to the company, you know, um, and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. So I'm on vacation with my friend Kylie recently and she pulls out this deodorant and I'm like, that smells so good. What is it? She's like, it's native. You have to try it. So I stole it from her the entire weekend. And now native deodorant is the only deodorant I use because it works and it's good for you. It's formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc. And it has ingredients that are found in nature, like coconut oil and shea butter. They're made in the USA with ingredients thoughtfully sourced from around the world. And it just works. Native can hang with you during your workout, your busy mom life, or a 16-hour workday. I gotta be honest, I'm kind of a sweater, and it keeps me fresh and dry and smelling good. And people love it. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews. They've been featured on Women's Health, Good Morning America, Pop Sugar, Nylon, Hello Giggles, and 
more. And it's ingredients you know. So less is more with Native. They have fewer, simpler ingredients, so you know everything that's in your deodorant. It's wonderful to know what you're putting on your body. And they have something for everyone. Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women. Plus, they release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. They also have an unscented formula and a baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. You gotta try their classic. This is the one my friend was using, the coconut and vanilla. It smells incredible. And it's no risk to try. They offer free returns and exchanges in the U.S. Subscribe and save 17%. Save $2 per stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door every one, two, three, or four months. And... I have an offer for my listeners. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code B here during checkout. Okay, that's 20% off your first purchase. Visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code B here during checkout. It makes you smell amazing, guys. You have to try it. Yeah, I think, and, and so what does that look like for you when you, when you say like, just keep working hard and like doing what you do and things will come. So like on a day-to-day basis, running your own company like this, like what does a day look like? It depends. It depends what my clients are working on. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a few clients that have uh, events coming up that they're looking to promote. So I have specific dates that, you know, I'm adhering to and I'm working within time constraints. But then I have other clients that are just kind of, you know, they always need the general promotion of who they are. And then they might have specific projects that are date um, sensitive Mm -hmm. in between there that I'm working on. Um, and I'm very creative, you know, whatever journalist I'm talking to, I'll tailor the pitch to. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so it depends, you know, a lot of the times I'm just following up with people, making sure they received all the information. Um, you know, sometimes I'm calling people because I work by myself. It's super important that I'm networking as much as possible. And what does that look like? Like Um, going out and what? I mean, I don't go out of my way to go out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> LOL. Yeah, I'm, but I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you know. Um, but whenever I am presented with an opportunity to meet someone or if I am out and I'm talking to someone, you know, always want to just find out what they're doing mm-hmm. and then see how maybe one day I can connect the dots. I mean, that's what I just like to do is connect dots. Mm-hmm. And at what point do you... So like when you follow up, like how many times do you follow up with someone who hasn't responded to you before you feel like too pushy or like what's your general rule with that? I mean, sometimes people just literally don't see emails and that's happened until I've called someone and left a message. And sometimes also like when they hear your tone of voice, Mm -hmm. people are more responsive. Oh, that's that's a really interesting and good tip. I like that. Yeah. Sometimes like, you know, again, these journalists get hundreds of emails a day mm-hmm. like some people are so jaded and I've, I'm guilty of this too where like you're sending out a pitch and by accident you don't edit the name of the publication and it yeah. goes to a different journalist you know they get that stuff all yeah. day long they they roll their eyes they're like literally fuck this shit mm-hmm. and it's also just hard to decipher like I get that with like my podcast stuff or like someone wants to be a guest or even just they're pitching me something and it's like you kind of just get confused after a while. You're like, is this a good thing? I don't know what this is. Like, you know, there's a lot of information out there. Yeah. Um, so, so you're, so you're one of your tips is to call them and get calling. is really helpful. Then they can hear you. They can, you know, you can wrap it up short and sweet. So um, you just say like, if you don't reach them, you leave a voicemail and you're just like, Hey, this is Kira. I emailed you a few days ago regarding right. so-and-so here's my number. 
And then, you know, if you don't, if they don't get back to you then, then you should probably just give it up. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so how many, how many reach outs do you do before you give up? Like two, two to three, three. Um, so like three maybe two four. emails and a call. Maybe like three emails sometimes or two emails and a call. If I'm very desperate, maybe three emails and a call. I mean, mm-hmm. desperation, sometimes, you know, the relentlessness, it's worked out for me in the past also. It just mm-hmm. depends on the situation. Is it worth yeah. it to annoy this person? Is your pitch going to actually be worth their time? If mm-hmm. it is, then yes. Yeah. If it's not then just don't and save it for something more important that might come along. You have to understand social currency, especially in our business. That is a huge thing. Yeah. Understanding how does this help me though? Mm -hmm. Like help me help you. Yeah. That's really what it is also. You don't want to just like, especially someone you don't know, like you don't just randomly ask for favors all the time. Like you want it to be beneficial to them. Yeah. Like whether, like let's say they have a lot of Instagram followers, like Mm -hmm. that's usually beneficial for magazines because then they say, okay, we're going to make this person do a swipe up on their story and Mm -hmm. it's going to go to 50,000 people. And we're going to tell our advertisers that 50,000 people guaranteed saw this story Mm -hmm. and that's how they make their money. Yeah. That's so smart. God, I wouldn't have even thought about that. Yeah. It's all comes down to the advertisers. That's why you do what you do. Yeah. Um, But I don't know if I would have known that had I not done advertising sales where I saw it from that side. Okay, that's smart. Yeah. And so you you knew that end of what they were really looking for, what they cared about. I mean, I remember working at Discovery and I was working on investigation discovery booking the commercials for certain programs and in mm-hmm. investigation discovery is very murder heavy. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Into it. And you know, their demographic is people that are home all day watching TV, whether, mm-hmm. you know, they work from home or, you know, they're housewives or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But like Clorox is a big, they want to get to those moms that are home all day, but mm-hmm. they don't want to be in a show that's called like, I killed my husband and I used Clorox to clean it up and yeah like so they're so so they (laughs) had branding exactly so they had a list of show of shows that they did not want to be in and you would have to go through on the schedule and like adhere to their restrictions Mm -hmm. and like figure out a way to make it all make sense and I was like damn wow like this is what makes our world go round. You mm-hmm. know, they're paying this money from the brands is what's and and certain shows, maybe if it was a primetime show, if it mm-hmm. was an eight, nine, ten o'clock show, those T those advertising slots were more expensive mm-hmm. than the daytime slots. Oh, okay. Because it's prime time. Yeah, yeah. Um, stuff like that. Premieres, uh-huh. finales, more expensive. Um, obviously, you know, the Super Bowl, right? Those spots oh, cost yeah. a lot obviously, of money because yeah. everyone's watching. So it's stuff like that. You got to like it's advertising dollars that makes everything happen. Mm-hmm. So do you have a social life now that you're um, creating your own business? I mean, you said you have a new boyfriend. I have a new boyfriend. He's wonderful. Um, and he lives in New York. So um, I've been back and forth a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I try and my social life has always been mellow ish for the most part so you know yes I still have a social life um what I love about my job is that it's super flexible so I can make time for myself and for my friends and what I need to do you know as long as I get back to whatever I need to do whether that's at three o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon Mm -hmm. you know just you get it you find time Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah I uh I need to have more of a social life I mean like I have one 
But like I really just it's prefer, a lot of work. I really prefer to stay home <laughs> and and work. Like that's what I like to do. Yeah, I mean like, it makes you feel good. It's what gets you. I mean, yeah, having I also like, like I don't having feel friends. good when I like like I've never been a partier. Like I can't like I don't feel good having a wasted day or night of that. Like if I had nothing to do that would give me anxiety about partying that much, then sure, but I've got to a point where like I feel like someone might need me for something. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like if I yeah, if I was like a trust fund kid or something. If I was a Hilton maybe. I used to I used to love a good party. I still yeah. appreciate a good party. I, I I say I just I've just never I've never loved it. They make me anxious. All I think about is like I have stuff to do. I don't know. Um Okay, well, I was going to see if I had something else to ask you about. Just any advice you can give my listeners who want to start a business or want to go out on their own. Like, what, what, I mean, you were probably just raised with the bravery to do it, right? Or was something you had to talk yourself into? No, I mean, definitely having your family's support um, is important. You know, some people's parents might not be as open to, um you know, someone not having a steady paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult for a lot of parents. It's, it's very, confusing. very difficult. It. It's yeah. very confusing. And it's what more and more people are doing, mm-hmm. especially our age. And yeah. they come to L.A. also to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it's very easy in Los Angeles also to become like aimless. Mm-hmm. But. It just comes down to, like, I, I don't want that. Like, that's just not what I want. Mm-hmm. I want to do well. I want, you know, I've always wanted to do well. So, and, um, you know, my parents obviously instill that in me, but they were never too hard on me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think everyone has their own path. And, but if you want to go out on your own and and your parents might be cool with it and you think you really could do it, you know, it's definitely worth a shot. Yeah. But even, but I think even if your parents aren't supportive of it, if you, if that's your calling, just do it. Yeah. I mean, you got to do what makes you happy. You can't live for other people. Unless like there's a really, really like, they make it like so like tense and horrible, but I would maybe even still yeah. figure out a way do to it. maybe do both, figure out how to maybe do both. I don't know. But no, I say still do it. Yeah. Do you think my parents really wanted me to become a touring comedian? Probably wasn't their first idea. <laughs> You just do it. I mean, my dad would literally give my right, uh, his right arm and left arm probably to see me be a lawyer. Like every other text, like he'll send me like an article about, I don't know, there was some recent rapper who mm-hmm. I guess like was charged with some felony who like ha- had a, a song with Kanye West recently. He sends me this article and he goes, this is why EDU, EDU short for education. And then he was like, law all caps like know it and I'm just like what so funny yeah no my, my parents have been doing that for a long time they would be like they'd be like so that's so cool that you perform with Judd Apatow but we think you'd be great in real estate I'm like that doesn't have anything to do with real estate each other. you can do on the side yeah, no matter it what really at matter, all but times still, still I mean I do think if you do want to make it entertainment you have to just go for it mm-hmm. you have to go for it you have to, and no one, because no one's just going to give you an opportunity. It's not going to happen. No one's just no, going to be like. there's too many people. There's too many people, so too you have to prove why you yeah. deserve the opportunity. That's mm-hmm. how it works, people. You have to be doing something to make someone want to take a look at you. Yeah, there's. it's not just, the, it's not the days in like the 30s where it's just like, I'm pretty, I'll move to LA and I'll get a studio contract. There's a million pretty people here. 
there's you know and you can create all your own stuff on social media and i mean no one really only has one job anymore people are writers singers actors like they they do everything Mm -hmm. you know and working together is a huge part of it also like knowing you know how your friends might be able to benefit you or how your network might be able to benefit you is a really Mm -hmm. huge thing um and playing off of each other and being um, a good person to work with. Like, yeah. Don't be a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick. Show up on time. Do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Be responsive. Those are all things that actually matter. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's a good way. I think that's how we end it. Yeah. It's just good advice like that. Yeah. Well, tell my listeners where they can find you. Um. So, I mean, if you're looking for PR or, <laughs> I don't know, uh, me, I guess. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at 114 underscore entertainment. So that's the numbers 114 underscore entertainment. Um, and yeah. And I guess cool. my personal, you can, I don't know. Give me your personal. Doesn't uh, matter. Okay. Unless you don't want people to follow you. No, you can follow me. Um, it's Brezolina with a Z. B-R-E-Z-O-L-I-N-A. Cool. And you guys know where you can find me on all the socials. It's at Rachel N. O'Brien. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L-N-O-B-R-I-E-N. I want to thank you guys as always for listening. And when you support my sponsors, you support me. And you know what? I only take cool ass products. So, yeah. All right, hope to see you guys at some shows. Thanks. Bye.